0: There is hope for us yet We are young, we are away.
1: I am Hollywood. Whitaker
0: there is no time
1: for And no I am Laura McCowan And, and this is Home again. Podcast And so it would begin Oh no, I did do the last one Because I, <laughs> I said this is Home Podcast's 100th episode Sorry yeah.
0: Okay. No, you were saying, you're saying I like to have the video off when we Yeah, have you always sex. send the video. I mean-
1: no, what? <laughs> 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 oh, no, <laughs> that's not what I said. I said, because, okay, let's back it up, because we have, gotcha. we like Skype, and... Um and then we're video we're looking at each other's face and you always want to turn the video off and I'm like whatever like when we like when you and I are just recording when it's other people it gets weird, um right. and I said you're like the kind of person that likes to turn the lights off when you have sex like that was what I <laughs> equated it to I didn't say when you and I have sex I, know, I was <laughs> well, okay it was right. a jokey. no well I mean I'm sh- I'm sure there is a certain a number of people out there that think that you and I have sex. I just want to set the record <laughs> so straight. for sure. They're just
0: waiting. <laughs> They're waiting for the announcement.
1: No. It's not going to happen. I know. Um, I mean, if, if we
0: could, we would. We, that would be – it would be game on, I'm sure.
1: Well, I mean, but, I don't know. Like, I would totally – like, let's be honest. Like, I'm attracted to women. Um, Like, I think you are attracted to women. Like, I don't – like, I – I learned what the definition of pansexual is this summer. Um, I didn't even know that was a word. Uh, it just means – it basically means that you kind of love without paying attention to gender. And I have been attracted to like the whole spectrum. Um and so, but I want to date, but I I want to romantically be involved with a man. But I think that it's yes. a pretty fluid thing. Um, but I like you are like my sister. I would never, you know, want to eat your. You pussy. would never. Do I felt it bad because one of our friends had <laughs> their kid in the car when we were talking about like sex on the last episode, and um, <laughs> she said, "Why did they say that?" When I said, "You know." Peter is using my badge. Um, oh. to, um, <laughs> to have an and, orgasm. And so I don't want to say it. But anyways, I Well people, don't no, listen I don't. to this with your kids in the car. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was also kind of thinking, um, wow. All right. So anyway. Yeah. Hey. But you said never, you like to have the lights on when you are having sex, as do I. I am not a. I do now. Yeah, I, I hate turning the lights off. It's very, and very weird. Um, I mean, it's not, I don't mind it. It's not like, it just feels like I'm not going to purposely go and turn the lights off right. so that we don't for a see long time each other. In my life, I would definitely only purposely have right. <laughs> turn
0: them off. Yes. No, what I with a video, it's like I look at you and I get, distra- <laughs> I get distracted. <laughs> Have you ever seen that one <laughs> Oprah interview where someone someone from her like staff is sitting on camera with her? All of a sudden, they like pulled her in and she Oprah asked her a question, and Oprah has on like a green <laughs> <and> blue. <laughs> and, and white sweater, and Oprah. <laughs> Oprah asks her a question, and she goes, "Huh, huh. All I can see is great, 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 green, blue, white. Oprah, Oprah, pretty." <laughs> <laughs> because you are I just will like watch you I'm
1: like oh so God that's such a like what lie. Is she wearing? I'm wearing Her, what that. what am I always wearing I always look a mess like are we kidding I haven't washed my hair and like okay I've watched it two days ago but I've done hot yoga twice and it's like sweat curls um and- I know but I've said this before you're like one of those people
0: that I just could watch because you're so interesting to watch and then I forget that we're doing something
1: you still that feel that to- way you still yeah. feel that way oh that's weird okay yeah I didn't realize you still <laughs> felt that way well I you. mean like you like we talked about this like you're alien like we both kind of felt that way about each other I didn't realize you still felt that way about me that's
0: I do I mean not always I don't because we FaceTime most days now but yeah awesome. but I I so, do sometimes yeah. when we're recording I'll be like <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? And then I'll forget what I'm doing and but then I get really, you know. I don't
1: look at the faces though, so. Um. I know that's strange. Like how can you just look <laughs> into the dot? I <laughs> uh, Just like from practice. I don't know. Yeah. Um, from practice. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Um, so we're doing this intro. I told you something important on text and you wouldn't mm-hmm. talk about it on text because you wanted to save it for the intro, but. I've decided yeah. to start wearing all black clothes. Explain. I want to see if it makes my life simpler.
0: You know, okay.
1: I've teach this in yeah. my school. There is a certain amount. I mean, there is a certain amount of brain. Um, not a certain amount of brain. There is a... Decent amount of um, of uh, brain calorie that gets used up. We only have so much brain capacity in a day, and there's so much that gets used up um, when de- when decision making, like decision making. And right. um, this is why, like Mark Zuckerberg, wears the same thing to work every single day. It is not why. I mean, it has been hypothesized, but it is not why Steve Jobs wore the same thing um, all the time. Though, do you know it why? May- Why is it hypothesized? No, I mean that's okay. That is, or what is the
0: hypothesis about Steve Jobs? There's no, there's no
1: hypothesis. There's facts. He was Uh, in Japan visiting a factory, and he was talking to. uh, He liked one of the guy's suits or outfits. And, um, I, oh no, he wanted to implement uniforms at Apple at some point. And oh so, God. right, right. And, um, <laughs> and it didn't go over, but the, but somehow out of this conversation, the, the guy that had, cause when he was in Japan, he like witnessed it and he thought it like it brought camaraderie about and some other stuff. And so, um, he, the guy Somehow it turned into the guy making him those mock turtlenecks, those black mock turtlenecks. He gave him, like, a hundred of them. And so he just, like, he just, I mean, more than anything, like, I just finished his autobiography, you get from the guy, that he just didn't give a fuck. It wasn't, like, like, I mean, he, like, didn't wear shoes for, you know, a decade-ish. You know, he just, he was very, like, he didn't give a fuck about a lot of things. He'd never used, I mean, he, he was, he lived in simple homes. He was... Um, you know, um, so anyway, uh, but I think, okay, I have questions. Yeah, 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 please. Okay, so because you love
0: colors and you love love styles, yeah. And do you, do you on a daily basis, do you feel like you spend too much energy picking out you're gonna wear? Like when you leave the house, I know when you're in your house, I lived in San Francisco
1: for two years. In San Francisco, fuck, yes, I did. Like I spend a decent, yeah.
0: Like going to a coffee shop or what? Yeah, Take me through the process.
1: Oh, I don't know. I mean, it just like I go through my—I'll—I'll I'll tear everything out of my closet to find like the right kind of outfit. I mean, in LA, I just didn't really give a shit. I just, you know, I mean, right, really. Um, but I don't know. And San Francisco has always been different. It's a hard San Francisco. I used to visit when I was in high school and college. Not high school, college. Lots of in college because I went to school at UC Santa Cruz. And every time I went up there, I I just always felt a mess. I mean, I never knew what to pack – Like I just it was always this thing like like it just I always felt like I was like the, you know, the messy girl when I was there. And then when I moved there, I acclimated to it. I started to understand Mm -hmm. how to dress in layers and the right kind of clothes to buy so that you and and also how to do my hair so it didn't frizz the fuck out and all that stuff. Mm Yeah. And I developed okay. a good wardrobe and it became but it also was a very big thing. I don't know why. I just looked I, I you know, even I, though I didn't I, give a fuck. I don't think fuck, that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing either. But I what I am trying to do is just experiment. I'm just experimenting. I'm just experimenting with simplicity in one in one yeah. area of my life, which is just buying all black stuff so I don't have to match stuff. Um, And I don't have to think about it, you know, like black stuff. That's it. It's, I'm just gonna try it. I just wanna see. I love it.
0: I think this is an amazing experiment. And I just can't even picture you in black. Like, do you even wear black ever? I know you have a pair of black jeans because we have the same one. I have
1: three pairs of black jeans. So now, and today I I bought a fourth pair. I have four pairs of black jeans. I actually have as many black jeans as I do blue jeans regular jeans yeah kind of <laughs> almost but close getting close
0: um, I mean I like this I think this will be a good experiment and I'm really curious about it and I've thought about doing this too you know I like Stevie Nicks and I was seriously like she's she's on to something I want to do that my mom I wear I went through a phase where I wore only mostly black yeah. um I think because I did not like my body though I was like this works
1: um And it's it's not because I don't like my body. Yeah, no. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, but it is slimming, so that's a benefit. Um, But yeah. Okay, so we'll track this. I'm
0: so curious. I think it would be awesome if if you became that person.
1: I'm gonna try and become that person, which is such a shame too. Like, I also happen to have it like a profound love of. I mean, I'm very simple, but I also love color.
0: Um, Oh, and you're good at like your clothes. You are you're you have great style and you have great clothes like whenever I'm around you I'm like whatever I'm just like I feel like the way you probably did in San Francisco but it doesn't bother me it's just more like I just I don't know how I can't do that whatever she's doing I don't do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know you know what I mean
1: well I've always cared about how like I've always like I have there's a thing that I I can't remember the name of it but I can tell very small I have a good aesthetic in terms of of mm-hmm. a tuning into when things are just slightly off. I don't know how to explain that mm-hmm. other than like I can stand back from like a, a design mock up and I can tell when like a, a, like the color is a specific, is, is not a, the exact right color or when like a line is like slightly off kilter and off center or something. Like I just have yeah. a very like, um, it's, a, and it's, it's a curse because it, if I see things that are slightly out of place, it will, like uh, upend me it will drive me it it hurts and so the clothing thing has always come from like finding the right mix I can tell when something goes together and when it doesn't go together and I do not believe me I do not have like when I look at like style icons my style icons (laughs) I believe me Mm -hmm. I I feel like the frumpiest mess all the time doesn't matter (laughs) like it does not matter but (laughs) I do have like (laughs) <laughs> right. But, you know, uh, but I yeah, do I have a very specific thing about, like, how my clothes fit me and how, my, you know, but um, but yeah, I think it'll be nice. Yeah. I think it'll be a nice break to um, just, you know, like pick from a smaller. Like, it's just picking from a subset, you know, like it's it's just narrowing yeah. down the choices. Like I'm not going to go yeah. out and buy a million black, you know, items of clothing. So. Yeah, I like it. <sighs> yeah.
0: This
1: we'll is see. interesting. Let's we'll see.
0: When I was at in in uh, Texas, so I, we tried to record this.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we tra- but I don't we tried know what's to happening. record this
0: <laughs> three days ago <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Texas, and it's I sounded like Darth Vader. So we stopped. Uh, you
1: didn't sound like Darth Vader. Your house was like breathing or whatever. I, my, the house was breathing. The background was breathing. You could. It was too bad that we we decided to wait. Oh, we would have uh, lost all of our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye. They're like, "Fuck this." Fuck um, these guys. Yeah, but you just came yes. back from from um, Austin, and we haven't even talked. We talked when you were at the airport yesterday when you lost your wallet. But, oh
0: my god. Yeah. But yeah, just- it was an eventful. A uh, few days I did it still... ever
1: rain in Austin? like this is what I want to know. oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so so I'll give the quick um recap. So I went to San Antonio, that's where my mother lives now, and we I brought Alma and one of her friends from here, and it I had heard word that there was a hurricane coming, but i don't I don't check the weather um because I'm I don't know naively optimistic about everything or I'm just dumb. I didn't check the weather. I knew it was going to be hot because that's all my mom kept talking about for like the last two months. (laughs) I was like, fine, hot. I know how to do hot, you know, pack for hot. And then we get there and I obviously, you know, the news was everywhere. Like the hurricane was coming and it, you know, it increased from small to then very big to category four and San Antonio was supposed to get hit really 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 bad um and but it, as soon as it hit um ground it slowed down quite a bit and then it just stalled and it changed course and all of this is happening over the course of a few days so yes there was a good amount of rain very windy like gusty the squalls or whatever they call them and uh ominous feeling you know mm-hmm. i mean i went to the grocery store and it was like the day before thanksgiving times 10 like people yeah. were in full on panic. All the water was gone, you know, all that. And then we, um, it never got too bad though. Like it just never got that bad. And you kept hearing, I had to cancel Aust- my Austin workshop because it was bad in a lot of parts. And it it was also unknown. Like we were right in the middle of it, you know, and it could change really quickly. So I canceled it. And then the next day we we're waiting for it to just like this deluge of, of storm and it never really came. Yeah. Um, and then I was supposed to leave actually today. Like I was supposed to be flying now and yesterday morning I was like, we've got to get out of here. Like, I don't know if I, if we'll make it home, I don't know what, how this is going to stay. And you kept seeing, you know, who Houston, God got, hammered and so did a lot of other areas. So it was like weird because we're watching this and that, you know, you could see the storm and you could see it edging towards San Antonio, but it just never got that bad. Yeah. And then, and Austin was the same. I think the Austin experience was the same. It was very rainy, very windy, stuck around there were, like small flooding in certain parts, but it just never got that bad. Yeah. Um, so I got a flight out yesterday, uh, and I'm home. I got home late, late, late last night. Yeah and i'm glad
1: that's awesome i'm i mean it's um it's awful what's happened in houston um yes i mean it's yes tragic and so we didn't even talked about that um and i'm glad you're i'm glad you're safe and me too yeah it was i watched the houston stuff
0: again last night for like an hour before I even went to bed, just because it's, you can feel it when you're in, you know, it's that collective sort of panic and hysteria. Um, when you're in a geography that is how, ha- you know, I've had, oh, yeah. it, I've been in a lot of, um, never for a hurricane though, never like that. And it, so, and I know we know a lot of people that are, I know a lot of people in Houston, um, everybody's in safe. Houston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that uh, is icky. And um, my mom was actually going to start helping today down there or up there.
1: Um, down there.
0: Down there. I'm like still kind of messed up on the geography. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, I'm really happy we made it safe. Um, that was It was a, a stressful trip um, for many reasons. But mostly just that there's a lot of uh, anticipation fear when something like that is coming, you just don't know what's going to yeah. go on. Yeah. But everybody was safe. Everybody was fine. Um, yeah, N- nothing. So, yeah.
1: So I'm glad you were safe. I've- so, before we introduce Veronica, we do want to talk about we got a letter from one of our from one of our listeners, a conservative and, you know, who after last week's was last week was the 100th episode and at the beginning we addressed what had happened in Charlottesville and so Laura and I like Laura you can say your piece but I want to be really clear on my piece here so I lean left I'm liberal like I I have been I went to school at UC Santa Cruz I used to be in the Green Party um, <laughs> you know I and and also as I've gotten older and also in the line of work that I do I've gotten um, I would say far more liberal at the same time you know what I don't have patience for is white supremacy what I don't have patience for is hate um, mm-hmm. those are two very very different things than political ideologies. And so mm-hmm. I do believe um that we all have a right to our own political viewpoints. Um you know, and asking people, you know, to asking people to be awake to to awful and horrendous things that are happening around us in our country um is not the same thing as asking people to um to give up their their conservative viewpoint. And so I want to be really clear that like this the table is wide and all are welcome all are welcome Mm -hmm. to sit here um and that um that we don't you know as as this reader said like did you mean me, like, as in, did you mean me when you said that? You know, basically, anybody that disagrees with what I'm saying or can't handle what I'm saying can leave. No, I I meant anybody that, um, anybody that is offended by my political viewpoints, um, mm-hmm. and can't stand it, like, can leave. You know, but I do well, believe. You, yeah, I
0: mean, you you said we were going to lose listeners, and you said I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that came from the place of speaking up and saying like like actually opining and and speaking about your politics um, mm-hmm. is a very divisive thing and not a lot of people can listen to it. Um mm-hmm. And so if it's very far away from, from where you fall. And so, but also at the same time, like I don't want anybody to leave. I want us to be in conversation. Like that's one of the most beautiful things about this community is like the thing that joins yeah. us is sobriety and recovery. Like the people that I'm friends with now are not people that I, um, the type of people I was friends with years ago. They're people from all walks of life, all over the world, you know? And yep. the thing that we have in common, this common thread, that we have is this like this this thing that we've been through and survived and are surviving and so and and it really like for me when i look at it i think it's important to understand that this is the perfect place for us to have differing opinions especially as you'll see on the episode we're about to air like this is the -hmm. point of all this is to be able to listen to each other when we have differing political opinions um not the right. same thing as hate, you know, not the same thing as hate speech or uh racism or um you know white supremacy neo nazis right, right 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 yeah. right 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 no, right. but I mean like conservative like for me, it's just not the same thing um you know oh, there's God, a very no. hard line about you know uh I think evil versus good um but but like, we all get to have our own opinions and also like hold the space for us to like find our way through those opinions towards each other. Totally. Did I say well that signed. okay? Okay. I got that yeah. letter and it just, you both, you sent it to me and it just like cut mm-hmm. me. Like, I don't, I didn't, I don't want our people to leave, but I did want to be clear. I'm okay standing up and saying things at the risk of losing followers, you know? Like, that's, that's right. um, Oh. Yeah, no,
0: I, I said the same exact thing. I mean, I, or, you know, same, same. Yes. I, my reaction was, uh, so yeah, I would say, you know, the only thing I'll add is that I, I, what I wrote to her, we both individually wrote to her and I said, Hey, I, that is not at all, you know, I don't, when we said that we did not mean you because of your political beliefs, period. Um, we meant it for the reasons that you said, that you just said, Holly. And what I, what I said to her was we're, we're all fighting the same fight and that's what I care about. You know, at the end of the day, I, God, I hope we all believe different things and we just know why we believe them. That's all.
1: Right. Right.
0: Um, not to just call someone else wrong or, you know, to further the hate, that's all. Um, so, we're all fighting the same fight. I I hope we have different beliefs. I hope we never stop talking about them. This whole show is based on you know two very different viewpoints coming together. You yeah. know on yeah. on how people recover, and it was like this. Oh my God! Someone who's in AA and someone who's not in AA are talking. Yeah. <laughs> you know
1: yeah. and. and uh, and I think we always want to toe that line. Well, not even talking, yeah. but also like appreciating and valuing each other's paths. Um, right. Like not seeing they're trying to defend or anything. Yeah. Just ex- explaining
0: and listening. Yeah. And that's what I what I always want to do. So uh, we mm. wanted to to point that out. And yeah. just uh, – I so appreciated that she wrote us. So thank you for writing. Yes,
1: totally. And it was such a
0: like – Yeah. Sorry. Please. No, 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 no. I just thank you for writing us and thank you for like that moment. We, yeah. we, we welcomed it. Um, yeah. Even though it was hard to read. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I totally welcomed it. You did too. And that's what we want. So. Yeah. Yes. So. Right. So let's that.
1: introduce our, um, our guest and then let's get on with
0: it. Yeah.
1: Veronica. So.
0: Uh this is I I have to admit like I even told you before we got on I was like I am not looking forward to this conversation it's not not talking to her but just going into this because it can get so what's it the conversation about AA really um we can get it can get so just what we were talking about right <laughs> It's hard to talk about for me, because I don't, I am really cognizant of the fact that one, um, what people choose to believe in attach to, um, go toward when they are getting sober is very delicate. Mm. And I never want to discourage anybody from doing something mm-hmm. based on conversations that I could only really be having now that I'm three years sober. Yeah, And we'll talk, we're going to talk more about this, right? Like we're going to have a, cause you, you want me to talk a lot well, about, you've
1: changed a lot about like you, you've evolved and you, you, you're not doing the same stuff you were doing a couple of years ago. And I think it's just like, and it would be an interesting conversation to have. But it's a, yeah. it's like so well put. I couldn't put it any better if I tried. It's exactly right. It is very delicate, the beliefs that we have, the belief systems that we develop in the very early parts of our sobriety and as it carries on, you know. Totally. And as you will find, you know, people 20 years down the road tend to hold on to them even tighter, I think, in some mm-hmm. cases. Sometimes, even yeah. Sometimes, right. So it's all – it's delicate – and like, it is delicate, like no matter what, it's delicate. Um, It's not like there is, and there's also something when it comes down to it, it's not like you know, when people take different cancer treatments, you know, people aren't right. arguing and saying their cancer treatment's better and, and your cancer treatment didn't work because you didn't try hard enough. Um, and even if you think
0: you're cancer free or not. <laughs> right.
1: Right? Yeah, um, right. It's a very like, I mean, it's, you know, like I get it, like it's cliche, the cancer a- alcohol or the cancer addiction thing gets old comparing it. But it's a really interesting thing to point out that when we talk about like how one recovers, there's so much um, emotional investment in it. And for good Uh reason and so this conversation came about with veronica we haven't really set it up yet but veronica we've known since since october 2015 we um met her in when we were at the addiction thing and united face addiction in washington dc and she posted i posted something i wrote an article called um um why we need to do away with ego deflation and humility in women's recovery and she posted you know and i got a lot of like i mean my mm-hmm. you know the comment section on my facebook page was a little on fire and i you know i it was like it was like drinking from the fire hose when i read all that stuff and i read her comment and it was just like one of those times where you when somebody reaches across the aisle, you know,
0: and says,
1: and you can hear them. them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because I did get a lot of pushback from people that are in AA and it was actually, Mm -hmm. I wrote that piece because I had gotten some feedback recently from people in AA, um, that said that I needed to know my place and that I, you know, like the, just like part of this is it's just a hard thing to navigate. It's a really hard thing to navigate. Yeah. So there's Veronica and she's been in AA for I think 15 years or some, like some, you know, 17, double, yeah. 17 years and she's, you know, and also she's a feminist and she responds in this way and I can hear her and it, like, <sighs> I can hear her saying hard things, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I can hear mm-hmm. her defending Defending AA, right? in in a way, and I, the piece wasn't meant to attack AA, and I can hear her actually defending piece, something that I. Honestly, didn't even want to offend, if that makes right. sense. And then, right. and I'm not taking it personally, and I'm able to like go, okay, like I can read this hard thing, and and I would really like to talk more about it. And then this is, yeah. you know, we were supposed to have a conversation about feminism and recovery. We didn't even get into that. We didn't talk about codependency.
0: <laughs> I know it was like one of those conversations <laughs> that I mean, she's so smart, and I think that's what you were able to hear in her comment was not just it wasn't a defensiveness it was this is what I hear you saying this is my experience yeah and this is why I feel this
1: way well and she also agreed like let's be also clear she really agreed with me like she but she also in the same breath said she finds what she's looking for through AA and this was an opening this is a really beautiful opening because a lot of a lot of people that are in AA that had read this or that that really like and I mean like fundamentally naa that had read this felt that it was attacking um it was attacking aa and right. here she is and she's able to read it and see it's not meant to attack um you know attack another way it's meant to actually call to um call attention to the fact that we you know, women are very different than men, and we haven't set up a system that's meant to engender like safe recovery for women, um, right. like, or that's tailored to women. And so, anyway, right. ooh, okay. This like intro is just <laughs> making me. Like, I know, I know. Well, this is why
0: I said before. I was like, Man, I, I have to like breathe. I didn't want to either, to. right? Yeah, but I'm so glad we did. I mean, uh, you know, as always, the the those conversations, the ones I am you know, nervous about, or not even nervous, just like exhausted, I, to, have it, have yeah, exhausted <laughs> to have before you have it. Yeah. Exhausted to have before you have it. It ended up being like, I love her. I, uh, like, right. I, I just love her. And she was, she was so smart and it was such a lovely conversation and it went in a lot of different directions that we didn't expect, which is the best. And, um, yeah, I think it was, I hope, I hope it's helpful for people. Um, cause I think there are a, fair amount of people, again, we'll talk about this more, but I think there are a fair amount of people who have, um, who grapple with, you know, having been an AA or being an AA and feeling like if they're not all the way in that, they're not, you know, they're That there's something wrong with that, or if they borrow from others, or if you know, other programs, or if they borrow from other philosophies, or if they or if they disagree
1: with how they're or if they disagree with what's being told, like all of what's being told to them. And that's what that's one of the things we get into, which was that she was like, uh, like she was, you know, drawing a very big distinction between the um, the like AA as it's written versus the um, the fellowship. Thank you. I couldn't think of the word the fellowship of AA and and. And right. what we got into was, you know, like this. And it's the same struggle I had, which was trusting myself and trusting that mm-hmm. I knew what was right for me versus what was not right for me. And that's really that's right. like where, like, this is, I think this is like, it's just, it's such a great conversation. And I think it's the start of many conversations. And to I me, agree. Yeah. And also, I just want to say, like before we go, Laura and I are going to start answering letters over the next couple of weeks and really get back down into basics. Like I do feel like yeah. on some level we haven't really talked about addiction and AA and all this stuff for for a while. It feels like to me at least because we went into money and then we hit our hundredth episode. You know, and so we talked
0: about ourselves and our summer bottom, and yeah, I mean we haven't we haven't back. We both said let's go back to it. Let's just go back back to to talking about the thing about the thing
1: about the thing. Right. So that's coming up after this. But I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I I loved it, and I hope that we talk to Veronica again. Yeah, me too. Here we go. Veronica, hi how you doing good i remember the last so we've met what we've met twice but the what i remember the most is when we were in dc you had your son son oh is that right and stroller and we went into that Mm drugstore i don't know i have these pair of gloves that i bought that i associate with you now because i bought them when we were in (laughs) that store together you oh know yeah. Gosh,
2: yeah that's that's right
0: because it was cold it
1: was, it was freezing cold. yeah were you there laura were you in
0: i was we were you all were... together yeah i was with holly then too and oh. we um we, we didn't know each other that was like kind of how we met in that drugstore and i think kelly was with
1: us perhaps kelly was not she... but the night before kelly fitzgerald sober senorita had come up to us at uh-huh. that mixer and she was fangirling you because you changed her life oh
2: god yeah you know i'm so sorry my short-term memory is like swiss fucking cheese i (laughs) haven't slept properly for like six years so like it's all coming back to me now i remember yeah yeah
0: yeah we were all we all had met then and um and i remember you were you were like there and you had a young baby and i was Mm -hmm. this was at unite to face addiction and i was like god she is she brave. is a brave soul. I could barely get myself there.
2: You know, you know. I remember. I so wanted to go. Like I was like, oh my god, I so want to go to this. But I was like, there's no way because Luke is will be like. I think he was six, seven months. Yeah. I was like, there's no way. There's no way. And you know what? I just. I mean, obviously, it's the most important issue in my life. I just thought of all of the, the women in the past, especially in the six. who just got on buses and strapped their kids to their back and went and fucking protested and I just thought you know what if they can do it so can I and I like we'll go and I'll just take him and we'll do what we can and It'll just be fine. And it was, you know, it was like it was kind of nice having this little adventure with him. And he was still so little. And I ha- found a babysitter for the Saturday night so I could go out on the Saturday night. And I'm so glad I did it. I was so scared. But
0: yeah, I was just inspired by other women.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think I remember you actually saying that because I said I do, something. No, I, too. I, was, I I was like a month sober. No. I was out of my mind.
2: Yes, I do remember you had that kind of like, um, <laughs> What's that expression? Stark fucking sober. You were stark fucking sober. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was that. I was going through a lo- all kinds of emotional shit. Like Holly, that was Holly and I. That was the first time we met.
1: Yeah. Were you really a month sober though? I swear to God, you had more time at that point.
0: It was it was 2014, right? Or no, was, it it was
1: 2015.
0: Fifteen. Okay. 2015. So I had a year. But still. you had some
1: other stuff, some serious stuff going on at the time.
0: Yes, I did. And I was, I was struggling hard and yeah. I was also really sick, like physically sick that weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh. um, I just remember feeling so completely overwhelmed with just being that being like getting myself to this thing and then seeing you with your kid. And I was like, God, she's, she's <sighs> some kind of superhero. Oh. <laughs> like, totally right. I mean, that's, that's uh, yeah, it's an I'm accurate assessment. A lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyway, and then we saw all well, saw each other again in New York earlier. Um, yeah. I just remember you standing up and talking, and you made me cry every time. Yeah. And I hugged you yeah. afterwards. And um, yeah, you're just lovely. And I'm so glad you're on finally. To get to talk. Thank you. It's so nice. I've, I've, read, I've listened to a couple of your shows.
2: I just, you know, Holly recommended this book, this feminism spirituality book, which is so up my street. I just Mm. don't get any time to read books. I don't get any time to read, listen to podcasts. I just don't get any time. I mean, I've only just started checking out your blogs after she recovers, and they're both great. Um, And I just don't, you know, I'm just. I get it. Like when Laura wrote that thing on Facebook, I think over July 4th, and, I, I, you know, I identified so much with you. When I was single, that is exactly how I felt.
0: But I Mm. also
2: envied you. I I know.
0: We had a little exchange uh, about that. Right. The thing yeah. I wrote was All about, time. yeah, the thing I wrote was about like, um, feeling like sad on this holiday that my little family isn't together anymore. Right. Yeah. It was like this, this ache that it wasn't mm. that I, and, but that I was spending the day alone. I think I was joking that I was like in my pajamas and I yeah was spending basically the, the night alone. And your your message was so good. It, it did. It helped me because you were like, I know how you feel. I, also, I was like, I mean, I was single, single for, that time.
2: <laughs> I was single for the first six years of my recovery. I mean, I was, and I was absolutely for the first three years completely like I didn't even have a date. I didn't even kiss anyone. Mm, wow, for the first three years. Wow. So I was on like, <laughs> no, not on purpose. Well, I got sober in Key West, in Florida. Which oh. I, I mean, like, codependency in men is like was a major issue for me. Yeah. And um I got sober and curious in Florida so you know half the men there are gay and the other half are drunk and yeah. that totally was...
0: that's such a weird twilight zone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so um so that really dealt with that and um I would have literally gone out with a chair if it had looked at me correctly. Yeah. Um, feel that uh, but I I mean I just was I think I was giving off such fucking insanity <laughs> and desperation
1: and all that kind of stuff
2: um so and don't you think yeah it my...
1: was also like you kind of took like we I mean weren't you a little self like I think part of it is self-involvement like I'm super self-involved and I I think we also give that vibe off I don't know
2: well, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely make the distinction between re- being recovered from alcoholism and being unrecovered. And I was starkly unrecovered and completely, yeah, just a mass of insecurities and uh, you know, just des- just really still under the delusion that the right man and the right relationship would fix everything. And now that's you know, I got to three years sober and I was suicidal, and it was all because of relationships and men.
0: Mm. And then, so wait, then you met, because you're married now, you met your husband, what, yeah. three years after that? Yeah,
2: I and um, I, so that that was the gift, three years sober being just, a, a relationship ended and it just broke me. And I knew I wasn't going to drink, but I also knew, I think I was 30 at the time, mm-hmm. I knew that I couldn't live the rest of my life with that kind of pain. Right. And so I, I kind of thought that I'm, I, I just have to be kind of celibate then because I, I don't want to drink to numb yeah. this pain, but That's I can't right. attract this pain into my life anymore. And it just, I then went through the program in a different way, which is where I, I learned there was a massive difference between the fellowship and the program. So
1: before we dig into, before we actually dig into kind of that second wave of recovery that you're just about to get into, I want to take it back just a little bit um, to win, uh, when you got sober, how old you were and and how, and, and why? Okay. So I was 27 and, um,
2: a big part of my story was, uh, panic attacks and anxiety. So in, in my insanity, I thought that I couldn't, there was a lot of jobs I couldn't do. I couldn't do any job that involved working in groups. I could only do stuff that was on my own. So it was very limiting. Mm -hmm. So sort of in my insanity, I thought that I would be a therapist. (sighs) Yeah. because it's one on one. Right. And I had to do de- my degree was in women's studies, so I uh, you know, had an interest in helping women. And you're I'm
1: sorry, you uh, you are from you're from England, correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you were yeah. in the United States though at this time. I was in the United States, okay. yeah. And
2: um I, so I um found a local course and I did um the uh, it was an addictions counseling course I thought oh, that'd be interesting huh. and I did kind of just sit there kind of going mm. and uh, it, you know it my and you were drinking like you were I stopped, were you and using cocaine okay um I, I'd known something was wrong with me since I was five years old I always knew something was wrong with me I thought it was a rare mental health condition I went to Drug-induced psychosis when I was 18. I prescri- used prescription drugs, used alcohol to cope, was always running away, running, 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 moving, moving, moving. Uh, so I knew that there was something wrong with me. and I, I, But I never thought it was alcohol, really, because I was surrounded by binge drinkers and we all had jobs and college de- degrees, most of us. And, you know, I just did. I thought the definition of an alcoholic was a smelly old man on a bench and I didn't, mm-hmm. certainly didn't, you know, didn't feel like it was anything close to me. But I knew I had a rare mental health condition
1: that nobody else had. I did know that. Um, and was that diagno- so, I mean, sorry, you knew like that was diagnosed, or that was? Um,
2: no, I think like many people, I went to lots of doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists and all that kind of stuff. And I was definitely diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Right. You know, I mean, what did whatever that means? And and given uh, like prescription drugs and sort of some counselling and that kind of stuff, but n- never really honest about my drinking. Um. Yeah. And so all these things were happening, and I, I kind of knew I sh- probably didn't shouldn't drink as much as they did, and I definitely knew I shouldn't do cocaine because that always, um, you know, just made me suicidal. But I <laughs> same I, God, and I, <laughs> you know, just waking up and feeling that my insides were scraped out and on the floor next to me, mm-hmm. and not knowing how I was going to get through the next day—it's just mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I liked, I know it was not a deliberate purposeful decision on my part to stop drinking one day. I just thought I'm not going to drink today. And then that turned into a week and that turned into a few weeks. And, and then I realized I didn't have any friends because they were all fair, fair weather drinking friends. And then, um, I went to some 12 step meetings because, uh, I was doing this course and I thought I need to check out, out what these poor drunks were like that I was going to help. Mm. and I went and I didn't identify with anybody because I hadn't had any stories like that at all nothing you know I I was this girl from a rural town in England who got drunk fell over and woke up wanting to kill herself but Mm. I hadn't been fired or bankrupt or divorced or I don't had a DUI or anything like that and uh, I didn't think I was qualified and and I I kept going and I, I don't know why I didn't drink and I don't know why I kept going I just I was so lost and alone and the people were nice and that was probably, and they had probably cookies. That was probably all I needed. And, um, uh, one day I heard someone, some guy, middle-aged guy talk about fear Mm -hmm. and how fear had, he was, had been the driving force of everything in his life and every decision he'd made had been based on fear and his drinking had been a way to cope with the fear. And I just sat there rooted to my seat because that's the first time in my whole life anyone had described my inner world. Mm
1: -hmm. And I knew
2: at that point that I'd found what I was looking for.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is how this is like you hadn't drank and how drunk and how long? Maybe two or three months. Okay.
2: So I think I was just getting on the verge of like this is not for me I don't get it this I'm not as bad as these people Mm -hmm. like because it was the stories of what had happened and I just didn't identify with any of that but when someone described their inner world
0: yeah you know
2: and I just I was immensely relieved because I had spent 10 years I think I first looked for help when I was almost 18 looking for help for what was wrong with me and and I think it's really important that you have to kind of the finding out what is wrong with you is really key Mm -hmm. to getting the right kind of help. Um, And that's when the whole alcoholism part, you know, the light bulb went on for me that it was an internal condition expressed and manifested in my drinking behavior.
1: Yeah.
2: And that drinking wasn't wasn't the problem that needed to be fixed. It was what was inside of me and that, that would then take care of itself.
0: So what, what did it look like after that? Like, what is your, your, you know, sort of journey through? Well, the I mean, pro- so, program been?
2: so fast forward, you know, uh, I, I got sober, things got better. I came back to the UK, I started, did start working as a therapist, you know, life got easier and all, all the kinds of stuff that people happened. And then, you know, as I, as I was saying, um, I really wasn't Uh, 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 dysfunctional codependent relationships were a huge part of my story Mm -hmm. every relationship I had was just completely dysfunctional and you know I was late 20s so obviously I wanted to have a relationship and settle down with someone and I was so spectacularly bad at that um (laughs) and just you know and I was doing therapist training so I was really getting all these massive insights about yeah, it's all related to abandonment of my father when he left when I was five and blah, 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 all these things. So I really understood why I was the way I was that I was recreating abandonment in my life, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't stop it happening. Right. Right. And, um, I got to three years sober and had a relationship and it, and the pattern that I always had, this was my pattern. I would meet a guy, he would be completely dazzled by me mm-hmm. and think I was like the most amazing thing he'd ever seen, the most beautiful. And we would have this intense love affair. Mm-hmm. And then he would begin to move away from me and distance himself. And I would be left standing there, just panic ridden, thinking, but. <gasps> We had this connection we had this thing it was incredible and he would be indifferent Mm, and that would destroy me every time and that when it happened at three years sober the pain of that was so I I couldn't live and I I didn't want to drink I really did I just really didn't want to pick up yeah
0: totally get it
2: but I just knew I just didn't know how I could live 50 years with that kind of pain
0: yeah. Right and you didn't probably see any I mean I completely get this you didn't see like how you were how with all the self knowledge and whatever <laughs> that you weren't going to repeat it if you yeah. just kept going Yeah
2: I just didn't know how to make it stop I couldn't think my way out of it you know right. I just couldn't you know the deep I I think the best way I've described it the, the, the best way that I've heard it described is that just that hole in my soul that hole inside of me that I really thought love from the right man would heal and that would yeah and and it would all be perfect and 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 that's not true right ever anybody listening
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what did I know everybody's I I know there are a lot of women sitting there going okay so please tell me what (laughs) and it's not the the whole crux of what we're talking about but I still want to go there like what, yeah. what changed for you then? Because it is part of it, right? Like you, I'm, yeah. I'm sensing that you dug back into the steps or the program.
2: Yeah. And it, it's, um, yeah, I mean really underneath that was again, underneath all of the drinking, you know, it's, that's all of that stuff drives us, you know, to drink. And, um, I'm I've been working on a, on a book on this matter for some time. Um, Oh, who knows when I'll finish it, but because I just do feel it's such a massive issue and I see so many people going through exactly what I went through.
1: Mm-hmm. So just I was on opinion. my knees. You mean the codependency code relationship stuff? Yes.
2: Yeah. 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 That's
1: a exactly you're the book
2: on. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, it's, um, it's the myth, the belief that a romantic relationship, that we're seeking a romantic relationship to save us when actually what we're seeking is salvation. And I mean mm-hmm. that in a non-religious
1: way. Yeah well, I think it's interesting I mean that's been my I've called it my second sobriety like my stuff with men has been my second like it's a, it got worse before it got better and yes. I don't yeah. like I'm not I'm not I, I haven't i for a while believed that a man would fix it like I just don't I don't live in that place anymore but it doesn't mean I'm not like repeating a lot of the same stuff It's yeah. just it's one of the things yeah. that I found to be I would say like it's probably it's I think it's the hardest thing that I'll ever have to figure out You know, and I'm still in that place where I'm not sure I'm going to. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's a it's a long road. Anyway, so that's three years. Yeah, I can identify with that so
2: strongly. It's still, you know, I've been married to my husband for seven years. We've been together for eleven years, and he's such a wonderful man and. We have such a healthy functioning relationship. Not perfect, you know. but I don't never ever want to give that illusion that it's like a you know, it's perfect and sunshine every day. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, such a proper grown up. And and I just I still just I used to look at someone like me, you know, ten fifteen years fifteen years ago, and just be like, so like how do you get that?
1: Yeah. How yeah. do you get
2: from? I can get to six weeks. How do you get to lifelong commitment and the togetherness and the friendship and the connection and the mutual understanding and the family? Like, it was like.
1: And I, well, like you can't mind. imagine it, right? Like, you can't. No, no. It's so far from what you've experienced. Like Laura said. Or that, yeah, what you even think is
0: within you. I mean, I I still feel that way completely. I look at people who are in relationships that, you know, and I'm like, it's just like this foreign land. Like, wow, how does this happen?
2: Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. That's exactly how I felt. Uh, You know, there's a great expression. You've probably heard it. I I mean, I really didn't have relationships. I took hostages. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that was my relationship history we basically hostage situations yeah you know, I, knew, I, got, I knew I got engaged to somebody who like I never I I cared about him He was a good man but I was never in love with him and I didn't fancy him but he thought I was amazing and he wanted to marry me and I was so like blown away that someone thought that of me that yeah, well, yeah of course I'm gonna marry you I luckily didn't but I know lots of people do <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah, I still have that instinct too, and it's getting a lot, lot. It's it's turned a lot, but there's still a lot of a lot more turning to do. But it's almost the um um. Tell me if you like me first. Yeah, and, and then I'll I'll you know depending on what you say, like maybe I like I'll like you for that, or I'll, you know like what no, what do you think yeah. of me? Do you yeah. like me? And yeah. then I can decide how I feel.
1: Yeah, mm. it's um, like a taker's mentality. It's like we'll take anything. yeah without considering our own standards
2: yeah right I I call it the crumbs from the table or take the crumbs from the table yeah
1: yeah and it's and it has changed a lot
0: I know for both me and Holly but it but it's still it's it's um it's a long process you know it's a really long process
2: are are you are you both are you single or are you in
1: relationships
0: single yeah
1: I um, am yeah, I'm like, Holly, pause. What? <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's just funny. I haven't talked about it for a couple of months. Um, it's one of those things I'm in the place where it's something major has shifted and I'm not like, I'm just, um, I'm not interested in it and I have a lot more confidence in it and I have standards. Like I, like something That's has shifted, great. but, um, but it's been, I think one of the most, um, it has been one of the most uh, I don't even know what to say. It's, it's been the hardest thing to navigate, I think. And, and, and actually the hardest thing about it was actually realizing how fucked up I was like, like getting like honest with how, how, I mean, my mom said it best that whenever it came to men, I turned into like a a child, you know, like my behavior shift when it came to men and how I interacted with men I became, I regressed. I mean, like, and I don't do that in other areas of my life in the way that I do when it comes to men. Yeah. Men. Mm-hmm.
2: It, yeah. I, it I just, it's just the hardest. So what I wanted to say is that for both of you, it is so absurd that there isn't a partner out there for you who is going to see your worth and that will happen. And I think you both know that.
1: Yeah. I, I do, I do like, know that now. Yeah, I definitely like I know he's on his way. I, th- I have I've actually moved into this place, the space where I'm chill about it. And I'm not like I still like want to date. I still feel like those pangs of loneliness. And I still feel like, mm-hmm. you know, like I still love watching love stories and having like I <laughs> I still get flutters. I have a crush right now on somebody, you know, like I but I also am so I'm super confident in it. And I'm I'm like, I know I'm trusting, which is something that um I don't know if I would have said that a couple, of, like maybe a month ago or even a couple of months ago. Um, it's, no.
2: so, it's so weird. I remember when I'd been with my husband, we were dating for about a year or so. And it all of a sudden hit me that that part of my life was over. What you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Isn't like that like crazy. And I, was, and I was really shocked at how sad I felt. <laughs> I spent like freaking years like not wanting to be single wanting wanting to basically not necessarily be married but be in a committed lifelong relationship and when I realized that I was and this was it and that I would never go through that you know meeting and flirting and do you know and do we like each other and the first kiss and all that excitement I was I felt really like grief stricken and I was like that is weird I wonder if I had been repeating that cycle because I just really liked all those threads
0: oh yeah no there's this I think absolutely there's just a part of us that wants the wanting like it yeah yeah uh, Rob Bell and, and uh, Pete Rollins did this amazing like three-part um thing about love recently and he talks a lot about that like we we want the wanting um mm-hmm. always you know we we it's mm-hmm. like desire Mm -hmm. that is the desire we think we want the thing that we actually desire but what we want is the thing in between what we have or in between us and the the object of desire like we want that thing yeah
2: Um, I always. it's it's like drinking I I always enjoyed the 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 anticipation of a night out and Mm -hmm. getting ready than the Mm. actual night out
1: yeah yeah. You know, I think for me, I wrote this piece a couple of years ago and um, that was much more mature than I was at the time um, or portrayed my thoughts about it. But there was one piece in it where I said um, I, it was called like how to kill unrequited love. And like but there was one mm-hmm. part of it that was um, that said and it stuck with me. It said, I don't want to I don't want to spend the, this time you know like I don't want to spend this oh god how did I put it something along the lines of I don't want to spend this time in between where I'm now and meeting him and tell him that I that like and that I spent it pining over the wrong guys or fucking around with the wrong guys like I want like mm-hmm. there was this clarity of saying this is my time and I want to spend this time like not feeling like I'm missing something and rather more like I'm trusting yes. um, Yeah. instead of chasing the wrong stuff like it, I was put much more eloquently but I mean I didn't I, I stated it as if that was, you know, what was happening. It wasn't what was happening, but, um, yeah, but that's is, a very good point. Yeah. And, but it's funny because I, like, when I look back, like from where you're sitting, I want to think I went, you know what I mean? Like I want to feel like I wasn't spending uh-huh. that whole time, you know, missing the time that was in front of me because I was so obsessed yeah. about having yeah. that, um, finding it. Yeah. Mm. I didn't, yeah, but I you're didn't, not
0: doing that at all anymore. I mean. Oh, but know, I was.
1: From, I mean. Oh, I know. And
0: so was I. And I'm still, I'm like trailing behind you on that. But I, but I, you're not,
1: that's not where you live anymore. No, <laughs> I don't. I not, don't even, it doesn't, it doesn't even, I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, I had a lot of exposure therapy. <laughs> like <laughs> Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. Like Veronica said, like the pain,
0: you have that one, you have enough sharp pain and it's like this i i i actually connect this suffering to the thing i'm doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i it's amazing. actually don't want <laughs> so, well, um, to anymore so let's get back
1: to the point okay. so you got so you worked the steps you had a sponsor i just want to be clear on that okay. yeah okay and you still what is your involvement to this day
2: uh i do what I've always done from day one and, and well from three years sober really was when it really really changed for me I had a so that I, I had I was in this really su- I was suicidal I realized I was in trouble when I was driving one day and I realized that I didn't want to drink but I wasn't consciously making the decision that I wasn't going to kill myself and I knew then that I was in big trouble and I knew someone in my life who just was very different who had some, uh, I have a male sponsor. Um, he was comfortable in his own skin. Um, and he just did the program very differently to what I'd seen. And I asked him for help. And, um, I had absolutely no belief that it was going to change anything. My plan was, was to, to do the program in the way that he said, which is basically you do the steps in a weekend,
0: so and wait, right, I want to I- hear that. I want to hear this. I think this is important. He did. He did the program in a different way than you'd seen, which is what. Well, uh,
2: there's. Uh, Up until then, like, I never felt like I had a lot of clarity as to what the program was. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you hear, I heard things like, you got to run that by your sponsor and, you know, or, um, you know, being on step four for months, months, months,
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doing a
2: step a year or like, there was just so many wildly different approaches. Right. And I... Was three years sober and desperate, and I did look around and just think, I, I don't want to be ten years sober and angry. I don't want to be ten years sober and committing adultery. I don't. Totally. It's not that, it's not that I, te- I I expect to be ten years sober and be perfect, but I what I think what kept me alive was this real belief that I I could be okay. That I believed that that was possible. I just needed the bridge like if i could find the bridge to that place i knew that life could be better and balanced and okay
0: yeah
2: and um so we went through the program in a different way it was all based in the big book and then we did the steps in a weekend and i um had just i just did not believe that that was going to work i mean i just didn't get it i didn't see how this was going to get me a boyfriend frankly <laughs> and um i at, oh, I love so that. I was planning to do twice weekly Freudian psychoanalysis when it failed because obviously it's due to do with my father leaving and and I just needed to spend a lot of money and drill down deep. Right. And um, so I did the work, did the work, did the work, did the work that um, it's a mechanical process.
1: Mm-hmm. You
2: just you just do it. It doesn't matter what you think, feel or believe. Um, and so a couple of things happened a few months after that. I so you were just saying unrequited love I had a crush on this guy I used to work with and um hot guy and we were friends and uh after a few weeks I just realized he did not see me in that way and I was walking down the road and I just had that kind of realization he does not see you as a romantic interest and he's he's never going to Mm. and I kind of felt that kind of like and I thought well and one thing I thought well I'm really pleased I haven't made a fool of myself because I didn't So, you know, I just, we remained friends and I never, I didn't do anything that I felt embarrassed about. And then my next thought was, I wonder what's wrong with him. And I literally, literally stopped dead in the street and, and gasped and, and kind of was like, did I really just feel that? And I, and I just felt, and then I thought, oh my goodness. I I'm just would be a great girlfriend I really would be a great girlfriend I've just wondered mm. what's wrong with him doesn't see that. that is amazing and this massive internal rearrangement had taken place in me and th- this for me is the basis of, of the whole program is that the ultimate what ultimately happens at the end of it is you have a spiritual experience and all a spiritual experience is is that you see everything differently Mm-hmm. Like nothing had changed in my life at all whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's just something deep had been rearranged inside of me, and I saw everything differently. Yeah. And I was so like, whoa! And then um, something. I mean, lots of other things happened in in every area of my life. You know, tip. You know, I can. The other example I give, I could be the kind of person who would walk into the office and on a monday morning and be like oh hey holly how was your weekend and you know if holly was like yeah fine i would immediately think what's wrong with holly what have i done holly doesn't like yeah and Mm -hmm. um, yeah i spent the whole day obsessed with what holly thinks of me Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: getting you know just getting poking you to try and find what it is that i've done yeah and uh uh, then I, I realized, you know, I would do the, that scenario and I just walk in and be like, hey, Holly, how's your weekend? You go, yeah, fine. And I just think, oh, I wonder what's up with Holly and go about my day. Mm-hmm. And when I realized stuff like that was happening, like, again, it's my perception. My perception had shifted massively. Yeah. And, um... So so then so
1: screen, right like i oh. that one you just described is i mean i used to because i think also it has to do with the fact that you're you're an empath and you can feel other people's stuff too and you want to like i don't know but whatever it is like it's that is one of the things that i spent so much energy on was other people's like projections towards oh
0: uh,
1: yeah. yeah thinking
0: they were they about were me. about you yeah yeah totally i Oh, I, I feel like those two examples are so huge and so great. And what you said about like having a spiritual experience, like I, I thought of just A Course in Miracles, like, right. you know, that the miracle is just a shift in perception. perception. And to me, yeah. that is my, it is so true. It's like, it is a miracle. And I, I, I think however that comes about is perfect. Um, okay, keep going.
2: So then, I think I had, I, I can't think who I dated, uh, but I. So this, the, you know, things like that kept happening, and then I dated someone, and kind of, kind of the same sort of thing started happening, and I was like, oh, well, this shouldn't be happening. I should be cured. I should be solved. But so the relationship ended, and the black hole that I always fell into was right next to me, but I wasn't in it. I could like you see could it. see it, and you had. I space could see on. it but i was standing outside of it so it hurt and i also for the first time ever got this insight that he was really really scared and how he was behaving was to do with his fear and not to do with me and that was a huge revelation i think I, laura when i we were talking and then that, that i wrote this post um based on um uh, uh, you're, you're being prepared for what's happening next yeah, like, yeah, that yeah. happened and it was like really massively insightful Yeah. and then like the relationship I was in before I met my husband was like yeah I really thought it was it really did mm. same pattern I, I could see him beginning to just withdraw and I just thought nah I'm not I'm done this is ridiculous and for the first time ever I ended it I was mm. just like you know what it, it's just not I don't know what's happening But it's just not. And and he was kind of a bit shocked because I was just like, you know, I just couldn't. I was just like, oh, I just can't do the hanging on to the bitter. I just, you know, I'm done. It hurts. Huge, right? Oh my God massive massive and oh god i wish i I wish i wish i had a time machine and go back and do that in every single pretty much relationship. (gasps) but i
1: think that that's like the beauty of it which is that you get tested until you stop doing the thing like you will be presented Mm -hmm. with infinite opportunities to continue to make the same stupid fucking mistake until you start to learn and act differently that's like the beauty of it yeah it's so impressive
2: I i knew at that point i knew um for me I, I was at the point where um before that uh, you know there was a great big hole in my life and i thought a relationship would fill it but i'd filled my life it was full a relationship was simply a cherry on the cake
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i just i just knew that he didn't see my worth and i knew that that wasn't mm-hmm. anything bad about me or him mm-hmm. he 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 would go and see someone else's worth and that was okay. And somebody would come and see mine. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I ended it. And and really my husband was the first person who truly like saw my worth. And I was like, Oh, I'm so glad I waited.
0: It's <laughs> That point that you made right there is something that has hit me very recently. Like that little piece of, not feeling like it's an affront to me if someone doesn't, doesn't see, see my worth.
1: You.
2: Yes.
0: Doesn't see me, you know? Yeah. And that, and and that it's not a statement of them being shitty <laughs> or whatever, and it's also not a statement about me and what I'm actually worth. It's like it's like you don't have you're not you don't wear the eyes that could see me. You just don't.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and I you in a way. And but but someone will, you know, and it's like I would try to force, or like, yes, um, or like force or um, hook someone into seeing, yes. you yeah. know. That's,
2: that's the taking hostage.
0: You're a hostage. Yes, type. yes. It can trap you. Yes, <laughs> like I'm gonna turn on all of my charm and yeah. all of my tricks, fully knowing or not even, not even caring if I like you, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's this ultimate act sort of of selfishness. And, um, you know, we're just trying to get like a need met or to get love or whatever as we think love is. But I, I truly see that now, like for the first time, and this is, I'm talking about like in the last couple of weeks where it's like, Oh, like I, like I've gone on dates with guys where in the past, I would just want to keep that going because I, I needed I needed to win them or whatever it is and just letting it, letting it fizzle out and not having any hostility or, you know, like prolonging the story (laughs) where there isn't one. It's, it's a really big thing.
2: You know I, I really I think that um there's two universal fears that everybody has and a- alcoholics and addicts have to to a much deeper degree, and it's the fear of one I might not be good enough. and once that takes root in you, the automatic fear that follows it that is if I'm not good enough, I won't be loved. Mm-hmm. And I was that that was my um that was so deeply ingrained in me, those limiting beliefs. I believe that the way I believe the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Mm-hmm. and um you know, everything I did was about, you know, it's like, you know, it's like just a fear of this can't be true. I'll prove it. You know, I will, I will marry my hostage. I will, Mm. you know, if I, you know, if I, if you, uh, you know, if I take you to this party as my trophy, it proves that I am worthy and I am going to be loved and, you know, and you, but you just, attract you know you're just attracting a cell it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and it just uh, the pain the yeah. pain of it the pain of it i identify so closely when i see people post that stuff because the, um you know that for me honestly when people talk about drinking and alcoholism and rem- remembering what it's like i mean i've been sober 17 years and i do remember and it, you know cocaine it is painful but it's actually that pain of the relationship pain that is the most astute and clear to me
1: mm-hmm. than yeah. any
0: other Mm I, I can really, I can agree with that. You really can. Because you aren't medicated. Yeah. There's no, you aren't, it it is like Holly and I have always said like your, it's your original wound. It's like getting right in there. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: It is the original. Well, it's why it's the
1: reason I think it's the reason why you turn to certain things. I think it's the, and it's the reason why you do escape. Right. It's, it's, it proceeds out of that. Um yeah, nothing hurts as much as, as, um, ha- tying your worth up and what someone feels or thinks or how they treat you and them, you know, telling you or making you feel like you're shit, nothing. Um, so what is what, so today
0: you, you stay, you're, you go to meetings, you have sponsees, all that stuff. You have a sponsor.
2: Um, yes, I've always had a sponsor, um, who's in the UK. Um, and, um, I do attend meetings and I don't have sponsors at the moment. I haven't had any for a little while. Um, but I've always had them for years and years and years. And I sponsor people in groups I don't do it one-to-one. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. And, and I, um, I, 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 the biggest thing really that, that has had the biggest change in my life is the inventory process, the, the revealing mm-hmm. myself to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and always, you know, just how much I can take things personally. And um, yeah. I need a tool to dig myself out of that so I can reveal myself to myself and then have access to the power, to the source, to
1: God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot like there, There's a really fine distinction here it's just I think maybe at the crux of the conversation that happened on Holly's post in this piece right here because there's a way to look at the inventory and I've had it explained to me in different ways by different people um one is a sort of self flagellating way <laughs> of oh, like you yeah.
2: you know and um and, uh, and, and and do that for months by the way Stay on step four for months, <laughs> right. feeding yourself up <laughs> about
0: what a piece of crap you are. Right. That that just happened, mm.
2: awesome
0: right? But to you know, it's a lot of that that talk came from men, to be mm. honest, and and some women, but a, a lot of it came from men. And um and the other way is we are inviting God in here, so that you can um, get free of, for me, like it was explained to me as this isn't, you're going to see where, where you're to blame in all of this. You're just going to see your part so that it's, you can see that it's, it is part you and it's, and it's part them and that none of it is really personal. Like it's just to actually look at it.
2: Yeah. I mean, that the the way that I understand it it is that, is that if you do the inventory process, process, it's actually very cognitive so yeah you, right. what is revealed and and it should be very it's empowering is what is revealed at the end is that actually i have all the power because mm-hmm. everything that, that i feel that is every the way that i felt and that i've been treated i actually have the power to change it it's not about other people changing or the c- circumstances or the situation this is yeah. about Getting me out of the way, plugging into the power and having a different response. It's basically CBT. It so
1: let's is. hold on. Let's well, step back because we're, yeah. I don't think anybody understands what the fuck we're talking about or where we're talking about it right now. So just to pull back. <laughs> <laughs> so the point, the reason you're on is that I wrote a post and it was called Why We Need to Do Away with Ego Deflation and Humility. And really, I probably should have said weaponized humility, but I wanted a little clickbait. Um, Humility in women's recovery. And this is a post that I wrote and basically just talked about how for me, the things that I encountered on my path um, especially when it came to a, a, why AA was such a turnoff for me and why it did not work for me. And one of the things that I specifically talked about was not step four, it was step five. It was the idea that you make the inventory in step four. Step five then says, you ask God to take away all your defects of character. It's the words. Um, and so I, anyways, I wrote this post, and it just basically talked about how this is a system that was written by, you know, that was developed by men, um, that was taken from patriarchal uh, uh, religious literature, that was, um, and, and that was really never intended for women. Like, we know this, there's a chapter called For the Wives, and that it is not that not necessarily the right way to approach a woman who is coming into recovery and that women oftentimes don't have a sense of self to be broken down. They have to develop a sense of self. So I wrote this and you, Veronica, you posted on my Facebook page, and this is what I want to read. And this is why you're on because it was the first time I think Somebody that had been in an AA for for as long as you have um, had agreed with me saying what I'd said, um, and also um, started to draw draw out the draw it out in a way. I wanted to have this conversation because I want to talk about this for, with somebody okay. that has been in AA, that has worked AA, and it's worked for them. Who's a feminist, um, and also who has gone beyond the big book into the source material. So I'm going to read the original comment and then let's discuss. Um, So you said, I agree with what you've said, everything in our, uh, so much with so much that you have said, everything in our culture is through a patriarchal lens and we have to challenge it at every opportunity. There is a big difference between the fellowship and that's in quotes of AA and the program. And that's in quotes of AA. And there is in my experience, a mass of misinformation in the fellowship I have also seen so many of the tools, and that's in quotes, used to abuse others and for people to abuse themselves with. The amends process in particular. People are using the misunderstood term humility to abuse you, to smash you down and say, stop talking, little girl. Don't stop ever. The most useful definition of humility I found is humility is not thinking less of yourself, but is thinking of yourself less. There are only four character defects, again, much understood. Selfishness, self-seeking and manipulation, dishonesty and fear. When we are in these defects, we are disconnected from source God. When I I was drinking, I interpreted everything to be personal. Everything you did was always about me, me, me. My pain, my suffering. I could take any situation and make it about me. Always. This is just what these defects of character do to us. The 12 steps are just a mechanical process that enable us to have a spiritual experience. Spiritual experience is an emotional rearrangement that results in um, that I just see everything differently. The gift of being recovered from this condition means I now realize that nothing was ever personal, that everything that everyone did was always about them and never about (laughs) me. And that is freedom. The freedom that is promised is freedom in the mind, freedom from this way of thinking of myself and the world. The 12 steps are ancient spiritual wisdom that can be traced back to the Gnostic religions which were much more equal. Women were priests. Inventory was a crucial part of their spiritual process. The patriarchal Christianity came along and oppressed it everywhere it could. And that continues to this day. There has been one accepted mode of recovery for too long. And one of the most damaging aspects of this is the confusion between anonymity and secrecy. I assume you've seen the movie, the anonymous people, the cost of this has been catastrophic the misguided and faulty belief that we can't talk about addiction or alcoholism publicly has meant that we do not have the funding, awareness or understanding of how to deal with this massive problem. We're years behind where we should be in tracking this problem and it down to the it's um, and it is down to the cult of secrecy in the 12 step fellowships. This needs to be challenged. Keep speaking, keep challenging, just keep going. And there's so much in there. There's mm-hmm. so much in there, um, but it was, I think it was the first time, like I said, that, um, that somebody had come back from that, that is still widely active, wildly active, wild, no, not, I don't even know what the right word is, but someone that's so active, as, as active <laughs> as you are, um, wildly active, Um <laughs> And I, and I think one of the other things that struck me the most is, you know, the character defects still gets me, but I, I love how you kind of trace it down to these things. And, and I am a huge follower of a course of miracles. I've read, you know, the whole, the whole text yeah. and read parts of it multiple. And it talks about like. how sin is really just the sin is the forgetting sin is where fear enters. It's the forgetting who you are of and what you're made of. Um, and like, it's just another word for, um, it's just another word for basically, um, for you know falling asleep um and so it's just it was it was such a just powerful post and and that's why we're mm-hmm. talking today so I don't even know where to start <laughs> <This is> like, <laughs> I mean how long do you have like the, yeah there was so much in there I don't
2: like when you were reading it I was like wow I that was really that. good
1: <laughs> it was passionate it was, good. It was really it passionate was smart
0: and and very good and it's I think if more people could have that experience of the program, uh, it would be wonderful, you know. But why does I it even think- need to be
1: of the program? Why can't we just talk? Can we just talk about the experience? Because I think that that's like the part that I'm really interested in. That Like, um, I don't think well, that it has to be. Talking-
0: the program. I mean, I think that's, that's the, that's the divide that, that a lot of people want to make, like the different, the reason we're talking is Veronica said, yes, what you said is so smart. And this is my experience and it, and, and
1: I am an a, right. Right. But what I was saying is it's, I think like one of the things I want to get into is removing it. Like what, what was so, um, What's so interesting about what Veronica said was that it is kind of in the program is a delivery mechanism totally. of something that was even misinterpreted on some level that has been misinterpreted. And so what what I want to talk about more is um, I, I'm just really curious for you, like as a like, OK, as a feminist, as somebody that's been sober for 17 years, worked the program, um, can you like just go into a bit of the history of it and, um, and a little, and I'd love to hear you just talk about how you reconcile um, these two parts of you, a feminist. When you say yeah,
2: when you say the history of it, what do you mean? the History of what?
1: How the 12 steps were developed, where they came from. You tie it back. You said that you had in something else in another conversation, another thread, you said that you had a sponsor that said you're misunderstanding and said, let's go back. This is where it comes from um and and traced back the the concepts in the 12 steps beyond to the gnostic, gnostic right the gnostic gospels
2: yeah there's um there's a book that i read years ago called the jesus mysteries by i can't remember the name of the authors but it talks a lot of about it's a kind of reframing of christianity and looking at the whole story very differently and it talks a lot about the Gnostic religions. Um, and, I, and it, I remember reading, it. I was on a plane, and um, it talked about the Gnostic religions and how they were very equal and, and women were, were seen as priests and as equal to men in that spiritual realm. And um, I can't remember how they described it, but they described something like a part of what they did is is this review of behavior or something like that. And I just thought, oh, that's inventory what they're talking about is force that's an infantry force and 10th step infantry and and i i kind of just realized i mean you, you know that a lot of it came from the emmett fox book the sermon on the mount you know and it's not and then i really just thought about it a lot and thought this none of this it's not it's just spiritual wisdom that's just been passed down through the ages that that God is the power. You need to have a really good look at yourself. You need to tell someone about that. You need to continue mm-hmm. to do that. And you need to just connect and help other people. I mean, I, I, yeah. you, I mean, we all know that that's been around forever and ever. But a, as in uh, most organized religions, it, I mean, I think that's ca- kind of the basis of most organized religions. But it can be so abused and misinterpreted that it, it can be unrecognizable. I mean, yeah. you would, what you were saying, Holly. Uh, like, because uh, you you said it kind of a couple of times about the character defects, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, like, this is just an example of how I feel that that whole notion is really weaponized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I only do the program from the big book. I don't use any other supplemental materials because the big book is the basic text, and it only talks about four character defects: fear, dishonesty, self-seeking. Uh, which is just manipulation and selfishness. And selfishness is just I want things to be the way I want them to be because that's so much more convenient. Um, and But, you know, like uh, you'll be handed like a list of like 200 character defects. Check all the ones that you have.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I
2: have this and, this and this and this and this and this and this and this. Well, actually, when you look at them and you examine, like jealousy, What well, jealousy is just fear. They're all derivatives of those four. Mm-hmm. That's all they are. And I can understand how that can be helpful, but um, I have a very, like, a big, big thing about balance. Whatever the question is, the answer is always balance. Mm-hmm. But it is out of balance because it is mostly used as a weapon to keep people down, Holly, in exactly the way that you've been describing.
1: That's right. So how do there's you- just you – go ahead. There's just four. That's so- it. So how what, do is, you, what is your experience yeah. then? Like how do you carry this message within an, – an, I mean because this is – you're the first person and I've been doing this, you know, talking about this stuff for a couple of years now. You're the first person I've had this conversation with that sees it this way. I'm assuming that you are not in a majority um, in terms of how you think about this. So how does that no, – she's not. As, and as someone who's been in, in it, she's – you're not. You're totally not. <laughs>
2: i remember this happened to me years ago somebody uh from the 12 set fellowship said to me um you're like a hundred watt light bulb going off in people's faces and when people are in a really really dark place it's really frightening difficult scary for them whatever and this was before just before i was recovered and i thought oh my god i i'm so selfish that's really inconsiderate of me i've really really got to think of that and like i really must tone that down because that's really how awful of me to do that and um I got recovered and um I kind of that came to my mind and I thought what there is no way that's like I like I can't not shine like I just gotta like I just get really excited about things I get really excited about (laughs) and if that is blinding for you I don't know get sunglasses move away but I'm not gonna not be this excited
1: Right, and just
2: it was just like another way that um so sorry, what was your question that my wasn't... question
1: is so how do you remain in the program with like how do you how is it not adversarial, how do you stay grounded in your belief system and it, while you encounter people that don't share that belief system like i just i'm curious of of how you make these two parts compatible, how you make the fellowship and the program compatible for you
2: um well, so my experience was, when I did this, and I recovered from alcoholism and had this incredible spiritual awakening, and my perception of everything changed. I um in the town that I lived in England, Cambridge, I um just thought people are really going to want to hear about this. This is amazing. <laughs> imagine my surprise <laughs> and horror, when that really wasn't the case and um I definitely uh received a lot of abuse and mm-hmm. um I cried a lot and and um <laughs> what happens is just exactly my experience exactly what it says in the book is the fellowship springs up around you and what it's actually referring to is a fellowship within the fellowship mm-hmm. and what I did is I just did sponsoring people mm-hmm. and a tribe appeared and I have like that's been one of the hardest things about moving to America. When I moved to America seven years ago, I really had a tribe, really solid tribe of people mm-hmm. who, not just people I'd sponsored, people who sponsored in the way that I had sponsored. And um, that was incredibly sustaining. And that's always been my experience. You know, that happened when I moved to Illinois. You, you just, that's what I did. You, you just, I've just got to, I, I know, I'm very, very clear about what works for me. This is just what works for me. And I just have to go about my business, Holly. I just go about my business.
1: And you have, and and I have to point out, you're very, I mean, having met you in person, um, you're very solid. Like, I wouldn't Mm. fuck with you. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yes, you are. So I'm wondering how that. And very kind. Yes. And yeah, no, I mean, that goes without saying. Um, But I'm wondering if that serves you in a way that might not serve somebody like what do you say to somebody that walks in who is vulnerable as fuck and beating the hell out of herself and walks in and doesn't found and didn't get to the place that you get to is told is given a 200 point checklist and is told to not be so bright Um, because she's like a hundred watt light bulb like what do you say to who doesn't find who you know who can't necessarily say this is what works for me like I guess that's the part for me was just the thing that I always go back to is our most vulnerable people walk into spaces looking for compassionate help and sometimes they don't find that they find you know more credit like they 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 find the opposite what they don't need and so I guess what do you say you know to somebody that's raw and porous and most likely to believe all the worst things about themselves um there's
2: a couple things that, i mean i have to say
1: first of all i think a lot of people who do walk
2: into aa are, are not necessarily alcoholics so i do think it has been for a long time uh, uh, just like the one place that everyone would perhaps, you know, who's drinking too much because of some, you know, a, a lot of people who get there are not actually alcoholics. And I think that's a lot that skews the numbers quite a bit in why the, the in, you know, uh, it's been written about a few times that their their recovery rates are really low. I think I think that's a big part of it because it's just been the one-stop shop for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all I can do is that Holly's be an example. I mean, I, um, I've always gone to regular meetings and I've always had a home group and I, you know, I just, I don't really say anything. I just be with people, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and just it's, I can't, you can't persuade anyone of anything. You can only be an example and uh, you know, I try and be friendly and, and you know, empathize really like, Oh God. Yeah. I totally remember how that felt. Mm -hmm. And I don't really tell them anything. You know, this, this deal I've found only works when, when people come to you and ask you to show you show them what you did you mm-hmm. can't persuade them. but right. you know that's how i you know and i don't that's the only way we can do it
0: yeah there's a question there that i don't even know if i want to ask but i'll ask it anyway so you said you know a lot of people come in who aren't really alcoholics and um i have a big question around um, whether or not that, I mean, I think, I think there's, there's some certain validity to like, there's this massive gray area where there's problematic drinking and maybe you don't qualify as whatever that container is that mm-hmm. of someone who belongs in a, in an AA room, you know, who I, ide- who can identify as an alcoholic. Um, I think that, question though is is sort of um is a good one is is an interesting one to explore like if you are not it's a self-diagnosed thing right right in a lot of cases yeah so what the hell like so so I guess I don't even know what my question is I just that that gives me so much pause because I know for me I have this idea about if I was going to call myself an alcoholic and then the place I belong is in AA and if I don't want what that looks like for me then what right well I I don't
2: believe that AA is the only way you can get sober
0: right you and and that's a big distinction too I think you don't hold that and a lot of a lot of the dogma that I have encountered in AA is is not that it is this is, you know, you're not really sober if you're not doing this, and I know Holly
1: encountered that too. Um, I encountered so, more that you'll drink again. You like that? I will drink again if I don't do it. Yeah, like that's a certain Right. So this is
0: getting into a whole other area that I don't, right. I don't even know what my question is. It's, it's more, um, or that I'm necessarily looking for you to answer it. I, it's just, it's something I'm not settled
1: out on yet. Well, I think I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I just have to. The point answer out. I would be sorry no no you go ahead sorry i'm just i'm just like okay, storing okay. just because i've been reading articles all day on on problematic drinking versus uh, addiction please run a cancer so for me to
2: be qualified within the for the 12 steps to be the solution for alcoholism for me for me is um it's just like i said that the guy who described his own internal world and Um, In the big book, this is described in a couple of places. And on page 52, it's described as as the bedevilments and the bedevilments. And I can read them to you. It says we were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. And that doesn't mean money. That means a life. We had a feeling of uselessness and we were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. That is the internal condition of an alcoholic or addict. And it also is referred to in the doctor's opinion as restless, irritable and discontented. And I was born discontented. That's my qualification. That's why Mm -hmm. I know that I I, I, like there's no doubt in my mind that I could ever be a social drinker or 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 any of that, because I've also in my recovery and it didn't really happen until I had kids. Um, I, I mean, I've never come close to drinking again, but I've got into a couple of bad spots. And last year was actually probably the the worst. And I didn't want to drink, but I was consciously thinking about self-harming. And yeah. it's because i wasn't I wasn't taking care of myself. Um, I wasn't you know, I'm basically a diabetic. I just have to do certain things. That's just how it is. And I wasn't doing those things. And I was in so much pain. That I had to have a release from it, and what happens is that I'm a, I'm like a magnet. When I am, um, when I maintain fit spiritual condition, which I do f- through the structure of the steps and spiritual growth, which is in other ways, I I, I can deal with everything. It's not to say I don't I, I have a human experience. I experience my emotions appropriately to the events that happen to me. But when I'm not doing those things, I'm like a magnet. And I just go back to this place of of restless, irritable, and discontented. And when I stay in that place, that's very painful. And my mind immediately looks for relief. And it's, I mean, I'm sure eventually I'd probably get to a drink, but it kind of goes to the things like, okay, I've never self-harmed, but cutting and I kind of get that now that's going to relieve the pain. And like that happens that that's happened to me like a couple of times in my recovery, not, not the self-harming thinking about that, but other, uh, other ways, and then I'm like, "Oh fuck, I'm in trouble. I need to get help."
0: Yeah, I completely I, I relate to that. All of that, like I, I, you described my inner world. I completely relate to that.
1: But don't you guys think that that's not alcohol? Like for me, I, I listen to that, and I'm like, "There's lots of people that have never drank alcohol, or wouldn't, or can you know take or leave alcohol, that would be able to identify with that as well." That was Absolutely. a hard thing it, for me that's to swallow. So, yeah. In an in an AA meeting when I, I was. In an AA meeting when I was um, first, like when I was, I went and it was actually the last one I went to, a girl stood up and she was 23 and she was talking about how when she was eight, she liked to stay in her room by herself and how she um, felt like how she would journal and how she would hide food and she didn't wanna see her family and that she hadn't started drinking. She was like 23 and she didn't start drinking until she was, I think 20. And then in those three years, she, you know, immediately went from zero to 60 and, um, and she was leading, you know, she talked and she said, I now know I was an alcoholic when I was eight, like this explains. And for me, I heard that. And that was just such a, there was such a rejection within me of, because I, like, I, I went and I wrote a, I wrote a piece that I never published. It was like probably the first piece of writing I ever did. And I just was like, what, not like, what, what's the difference? Like, what is like, when was I an alcoholic? Like, if that's the case, when was I an alcoholic? I want to know when I was an alcoholic, like at what age exactly did I become an alcoholic? So for me, when I hear that, I, that's the part I have one of the hardest, um, because I think that people find all sorts of different levers to, to manage that internal condition. And some of them are, you know, food and some of them are, sex and so you know but i just for me i feel like that's a very i don't know that's a hard hard hard. i would
2: would completely agree with you i I, I, that's absolutely true holly is that i I really believe that most people are suffering from a a spiritual illness which is a lack of connection to source power god whatever you want to choose to call it yeah and the pain of that. The pe- that is very painful. It's very uncomfortable, and the pain of that is manifested in how we behave. And you and you have to look at the world to see it. I think oh, mass yes. consumerism is probably the biggest anesthetic for that. Yeah. That's why that's why we were given a course in miracle. Yeah, because that that is the wider answer, and all the AA program is, and the Big Book program is 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 a is a it, it is a manner that just speaks to a certain type of person suffering from that spiritual illness where it's manifested in their drinking.
1: Thank you. Yeah, that's a really, really
0: good way to say it.
1: Thank you. Does that make sense? I a hundred percent agree with what you just said. I think like when we talk about connection, I think that there's some atheists that might be listening to this and might refute that point. But I think like, even like my good friend, Catherine, like who we've had on the show can understand connection and that when you're cut off from that connection, what that feels like. And I do believe that I do believe that we're all suffering. Like, I think that is the sickness of the world. I think when you look around you, like we live in an addicted society and it may not be alcohol and it may not be cigarettes or any of these things that we typically, you know, associate addict with, but we live in a society that can't be with itself. Like we live with a sick society. Um, and I, I do agree. We, that there's We, we really, we,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I would like to believe in 100 years, 200 years, Of Course in Miracles will be our manner of living for those of us who survive the catastrophes that are ahead in the next few
1: days. <laughs> right? I know my mom has been so yeah. upset ever since Trump TV and some other stuff happened this last week. Um, I mean, it is. It's, Let's it's, not go
2: there. Let's not go there, girls.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's not. <laughs> no, but I mean, the main thing I, she was, well, I think it's interesting. She was talking about how she's worried about my my niece and, and nephew. And I just, for me, I feel like they chose to be here at this time. Just like I feel like we chose to be here at this time.
2: Yes, I completely agree that. I say that to my son. I, I just love that, you know, like. Yeah. I, I always say thank you for choosing me. Thank you, thank you,
1: thank you so much
2: for choosing me. Wow. And he, and he always says like, did I? And I was like, yeah. And then you were in your belly, my belly, and you and you said to me, my name's Xavier. My name's. Xavier.
0: Like, oh, oh.
2: So you taught <laughs> me to be a mummy by choosing me. Like mm-hmm. I tell, that's what
0: I. <laughs> I love that. So I want to just add one little, like, commentary on what you said because I I love how you said that, and I to had the same sort of reaction that holly did about well so much of what this what we're talking about what is talked about in um in the rooms as being a condition of someone specifically someone who is alcoholic is a human thing and i had i had like a re- a, a reaction to that in a lot of ways but i think um it is there is something that i found for sure in being in the rooms and you know some of the specific um just relating to the exact way that i felt on the inside that was extremely helpful right for mm-hmm. for dealing with the drinking um it became less it became less helpful to me over time but i think like there there's so much um I don't know if anything like you helped put to words a lot of the things that a lot of the, the, um, paradoxes and And sort of things that seem to be clashing, but aren't, but aren't necessarily, um, about what really happens in, in the, the program or what doesn't. Um, and a lot of my resistance or just it's not even it's it's resistance sometimes, but it's more just um uh uh like mehness. Like I I I'm not feeling the connection there. I feel it in other places, the this connection that I need to God. Um yeah. and believing that I'm not kidding myself by feeling that way, you know? Um so anyway, I just I wanted to add that I I pre- this is a conversation that Holly and I haven't had and have been wanting to have um or or maybe not <laughs> wanting to have for a long time and I think it's something a lot of people will will really appreciate. That's I, wonderful.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think you're wonderful. I think you're amazing oh, and um I'm really excited that we've um you know gotten to meet each other in this way and uh I know. Yeah, I was very I when I read it um <laughs> it wasn't, ex- when I saw the long comment, I mean, I got a lot of comments on that, you know? And, um, it was just a, it was a breath. It was like breathing. It was like oxygen. Um, you know, it's cause I, cause I'm not, I'm not in this to create more barriers between, between modalities, you know, or like the right way versus the wrong way. Um, and it's just—I think it's—it's it's so hard to navigate. It's so hard to navigate that um, without uh, without taking something away from somebody. Um,
2: I mean, I, I just don't—I don't feel that we you can persuade anybody of anything. I mean, I just think that's no. a non-starter. And you, you just got to <laughs> go about your business, living your truth. That's all you can do. Right, and, well, and you know, like, I, I've had this experience for a long time. i you know, where I, I mean, I've definitely you know, I, I went from when I did this work, I went from being like a star in it, you know, the fellowships. Everyone loved me. Mm. Just come back from America. I had this accent. And um, <laughs> literally overnight I was, you know, people didn't sit next to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? Because they really didn't like w- what I was saying. And I was, pro- you know, I think I was like, I need to tell you about this. You're going to want to know about this. It's like I was trying to persuade them.
0: Mm, yeah. Um,
2: um yes, And we do
0: because, when we are excited.
2: Yeah, yeah. And or really all I, and then I just think like all they can do is just go about my business. And I have found I have found in my recovery, you know, when I worked in I've worked in treatment centres and I have found women, the way that women react to me, I've always found that very interesting. It was very mind blowing to me when someone said to me many years ago, i don't know, I can't remember how sober I was, not long, um, that I was scary. And I found like I literally almost fainted because I found absolutely every human being on the planet scary. So that the fact <laughs> that anybody would find me scary is really absurd. But I have found my has being with women is um they fall into two groups. They either don't come anywhere near me or they do find their way next next to me.
1: Yeah.
2: And and I, I've always found that interesting it is
1: well i think there's one thing like you just said it's like you can't argue beliefs like you cannot persuade anybody of anything and i think it's so i think everybody that's probably found something new like you know and had to tell people about it has experienced that i sat down when i found kundalini yoga i sat down with him my on my sister i just will never forget it and i sat down <laughs> to explain to them what the aquarian age was i literally sat them down <laughs> And took my book out and started reading from it. And my niece goes behind my mom's chair and starts shitting in the corner. I mean, it was just like this moment that they were like – I mean, it was just – it was perfect, right? She, It was perfect. And I did have this thing at the beginning where I had to – it was – there's a difference between personally, like, having to – having to have somebody pick up your agenda for it to be or your beliefs – for it to be worthwhile. Like the gospel is going up to people and convincing them of the gospel versus yes. like what I have found now, which is putting it out. And then letting people pick it up if they want to pick it up. So I think that there is you cannot persuade any individual to change their beliefs like you just their their beliefs are not arguable. They do believe that there is that like part of what I feel that you also conveyed is that there is, I believe, a a need for us to speak out and to share our beliefs um, so that we can find each other. Those of us that share, you know, that can share in it, Um, you know, and so I do think there's a difference between the two truth,
2: course. You know, there's two paths in life. And I, I realized this, I think, quite early on in my recovery is that um, there are two paths in life. And one is to live my truth. And one is to not live my truth. And both are difficult. And I have mm-hmm. to make that choice. And okay. I realized I'd I, like I just spent my whole life up to that point not living my truth, and it was killing me. But also understanding that when I when I chose to live my truth, that that also could be equally as challenging, but the co- consequences and results of that were ultimately what I wanted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Living our
0: truth,
1: we have to live our truth.
0: That's a really really
1: great way of putting it. It is. Both are difficult. And it's you know we-
0: it's evolving. You know I.
2: Uh, There was a lot of, I had some very entrenched ideas early on and I have really evolved and changed about a lot of things. I mean, I think I was definitely one of those people that this is the only way. And if you're not doing this, then you are going to drink again. And I'm, I don't believe that now. I really, and really, cause I understand like, I mean, the way the 12 steps they're they're a mechanical process. They're basically REBT, which is rational emotive behavioral therapy. That's basically what they do. CBT, that kind of thing. That whatever it is you're doing, as long as it results in some kind of emotional change that you see things differently. And it probably, I think needs some kind of maintenance to that then. And, and you're the result is that you're a happy, joyous and free. And by free, I mean, free in your mind, yeah. then I I'm like the biggest fan of that.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, this turned into an an hour and a half conversation. So we didn't good. talk about feminism. Oh, I know.
2: I want. I wanted to tell you. I wanted Please. to tell you.
0: Like I wanted Do. you.
2: Like I want you to ask me um, if I'm, a feminist, I'm a, feminist, really Daly, a feminist. Are you a feminist, Veronica? Are you a feminist? So um, I think all women are feminists even the women who don't think they're feminists or the women who actively campaign that they're not feminists mm-hmm. <laughs> and the reason why is I just love this description of feminism it's my favorite I think you girls are going to love it have you heard of Caitlin Moran yeah have you um, read her book no what is okay. it um, she's, she's a British journalist feminist um she had wrote a great book called how to be a woman it's hysterical it's really funny I really love her I will just say I have one caveat I really don't like the way she does talk about alcohol but that's a separate yeah. thing but I do uh. like how she talks about feminism so she says there's two questions um to find out whether you're a feminist or not so if you answer yes to both questions then you are a feminist so the first question is number one do you have a vagina and the second one is do you want to be in charge of it And if you want the yes to both of those things, then you are a feminist. And I just love that.
0: (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love it so much. I love it so much. I'm uh, going to, we're going to link to her book for sure. And I'm going to get it right now. Yeah,
2: it's, it's funny, but I actually, having said, I really like how she is, I really like how she frames feminism, I think for a younger generation. But I did write two pieces on this because I, she has a very British way of talking about alcohol and it really, really started to bother me and really got in my way of like, as so I wrote this piece, you know, I just love her. I admire her. I just, everything you do is great. Um, but I just wonder if you could just think a little bit more about like quite continuous, like, oh, you know, I've got a deadline, but I've got a bottle of vodka. So, you know, it's all good. You know, those kind of like comments of the, the basically normalized abnormal drinking Um, And if you were drinking the way that you were joking about drinking, you'd actually be in hospital. And actually some women are because they do drink that, et cetera, et cetera. And then she blocked me on Twitter and I was devastated.
1: (laughs) Well, I wonder, you know what a lot of women like this reminds me of when Ann said went up to Gloria Steinem at some event and said, "Um, I think that drinking is a feminist issue. I think that like drinking is a, a feminist issue. It's a woman's issue. And Gloria Steinem, you know, scoffed at it or you know, brushed it off, said it wasn't, disagreed. Um, and I think that the more I think about it and the more that I've been in this, and, and I felt this way for a long time, but I do believe it is a feminist issue. I do believe it's a, it yes. is a, especially yes. the way that we're using Absolutely. it. You know, we think it's a power tool and it's, it's, and it's oppressing mm-hmm. us. Um I it's do.
0: absolutely absolutely like it's a declaration of our of our um feminism like sarah hipola discussed it really well in her book in blackout like we we think it's yeah that we're u- using it to like declare that we that we're that we can be like the boys or whatever
2: yeah mm-hmm. there was a big that happened in england in the 90s when i was still drinking it was a bit we could they it was called the lab culture and there was all these kind of cool girls models radio presenters etc were like all of a sudden they were out and drinking and then talking about it you know like oh and and like how cool that was um and and yeah drinking the same as men and and women can't drink the same as men they just can't that's why it killed amy winehouse
1: Mm. and you know
2: that's why i just love i was just thinking before we started this whole thing i was thinking about you guys and i was thinking i cannot I mean, I got sober in 2000. I mean, the internet was, was a thing, but barely a thing. And I cannot imagine, I was trying to picture myself being 27 and being able to Google, like, do I have a drink problem? I mean, I alcoholic, and then coming up, seeing your blogs or the Sober in or you know, any, any of them mm-hmm. like you, you younger girls. Um, I'm being like, wow, she's pretty and cool. And talking about like really being sober is a really cool thing. Like my mind would have been blown. Like there was, there was just, there was none of that. And like, I just can't imagine what it's like for women now being able to, I believe passionately what we have to do. And I think you're part of it. And I don't know if I'm part of it. I'm probably too old to be cool, but a bunch of us are part of it. It, It's just, (laughs) it is a sobriety has to be, we have to make it cool and aspirational. Yes. and we have to make it sexy and fun and we really, we just have to show that. We do again and again and again because because of this culture of like just showing women drunk and rock bottom and you know, you definitely do that and I just
1: that, oh, that's
2: just so, so Aren't you
1: like 41, 42? I know and by the way, you're very cool. And you're very Thank cool and you. um, you're also our age. Um, but the. But I mean like you know, just still like
2: You know, I really, really, I really thought like I, when I first got sober, I thought, right, okay, I get it. I get what I'm going to have to be spiritual. I get all that. And I basically sort of have to be like a nun, but not a nun. And I'm okay with all of that because I had the insanity. I just will do anything for the insanity in my head to stop. But I really like lipstick and high heels. And it was really sad that I wasn't gonna have that in my life. And right. like to be able to see, like, oh my god, we can have lipstick you and can high heels. Have that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I that was Gabby Bernstein for me. That was why her work was so revolutionary for me, was because I read in her first book. I I read about her in a business magazine that I was obsessed with and it her life was the life I wanted. And then I and I didn't know exact I didn't know she was sober. And then I picked up her book and then she said it started because she was addicted to subway and and bad relationships and drugs and alcohol or something and i was like and i literally was addicted to subway i mean i was going there i was <laughs> bulimic and i was going there like every night and getting a foot long. and so it was like reading and then there's this beautiful woman who has her shit together who owns her own company and you know mm-hmm. who's like wearing way better clothes than i'm wearing you know and it was just this like oh my god it doesn't have to be this thing it, it like somebody that I that I like want to emulate is sober and that was you know I think that was a huge everything moment. yeah because Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker was who I grew up on you know in, in my mm-hmm. early 20s yes. yeah and exactly. I wanted to be her she smoked and drank Cosmos I drank Cosmos yeah
2: <laughs> And it all worked yes. out for her. Oh, and she, yeah, <laughs> it all banging. worked out for her.
0: <laughs> she, <laughs> yeah, and she got Mr. Big, or she could have, if she wanted.
1: And She ended up marrying. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, yeah she I mean, ended up marrying I, the narcissistic, unavailable, avoidant, exactly. like which and never I happens. I love him. <laughs>
0: He's still my fucking dream.
1: <gasps> really? Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys, it's about an hour and a half, and I've had to pee for 30 of it. Um, so <laughs> this has been so delightful. So lovely.
0: I want to be friends with you.
1: I know. Well, we already are. Um. I mean...
2: I want I to talk about feminism and bullshit with you every week.
1: I know. Yes. We should. Yeah. Well, like, I think we'll have... Like, I would love to. Did you... So you're reading that book, that book book oh my god um
2: oh no, no, no holly it's on my wish list on amazon and at oh. some point in my life when i have a full night's sleep it'll go on the pile of books that i intend to read oh my god my i'm so sorry to make, getting i didn't mean to make you feel worse
1: night. okay never mind um but yeah it is it's excellent but yeah i think um i think we'll we'll definitely do this again and we'll get but to i the like end to the look at it you like to look at it i know yeah. i'm always telling my sister my sister has like three kids. And I'm always like, Oh, you should totally read this book. I need to read this book. You need to read this book. I told her I'd come over to her house and just read to her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been lovely. Thank you so much for being on. And um, for this conversation, okay. I know, I mean, we have a mix. We have people that haven't done AA and people that have, or, and people that have tried AA and have, um you know rejected it and you know there's just there's mm-hmm. so many there's so many uh different ways and and so many different experiences and i know this is an important conversation for a lot of people and so i i appreciate it very much
2: thank me you too. and i hope you, I, I know we'll see each other again but please let me know if you ever come through new york and uh we can do lunch or something
1: uh, well, I'll be there next week, but I've got a. F- I'm only coming in for half, like one and a half days to. Oh, no okay. But the next time, okay. for sure. And Laura's be, there all the time. Yeah, and
0: I'll be there in October, so I will find you. Oh, oh. please do that. Yeah, that sounds great.
1: Are you Long in Long Manhattan? Island. No, Long Island. Okay. All right. Well, it's right. been lovely. lovely. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Stay Thanks, Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Infinitely
1: so You have been told these things before